Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Today we begin a new book of the Bible, the book of Philippians. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come to this book, we pray that you might display the treasures contained within. Father, we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, our ears and our hearts to what you are saying through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Whenever we start a new book of the Bible, there are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Who wrote it? Who was it written to? What was the purpose of the letter? It's only when we can understand these things correctly, understanding the purpose of the book, that we can properly apply it to our own lives. Let's start with verse one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So right here in the very first line, we see who the writer is. It's Paul and he's with Timothy. I love the way that he describes himself, servants of Christ Jesus. The Greek word there is doulos, and it has to do with being a bond servant, being a slave too. So Paul starts his letter by saying, this is from Paul and Timothy, we are slaves of Christ Jesus, King Jesus. What a beautiful way to describe yourself. In the next line, we see who the recipients are. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. To all the saints. Well, we often think of saints as being like patron saints, like St. George or St. Andrew or St. David or St. Patrick. But, but actually, saints here is anyone who has been made holy by Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. If you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if you believe in him, his work on the cross, then you have been made holy. You are a saint. It's an incredible thought. We don't often think of ourselves as saints. But when Paul writes, he thinks of those who are redeemed by Jesus exactly as that, as saints. Now, it's very easy for us to say, but I'm not a saint. I am far from perfect. And that's true. It's true of me and it's true of you as well. But here's the thing. Our 
cleansing, our being made holy, doesn't depend on our perfect performance, but depends on the perfect work of Jesus on the cross, which has already happened. It's already perfect. And as you are in him, you are made perfect to all the saints at Philippi. And he says, with the overseers and the deacons. So these are those working in the church. Um, the overseers, the Greek word here is a episkopos, are, are sometimes referred to as elders or even as bishops. They're those who oversee the work in the church, oversee the, the love gifts, administer uh, the care and the food. They make sure that the teaching it is good and biblical and life-giving. Uh, they oversee the work. And then we've got the deacons. The deacons, diakonos, it's a Greek word just transported into English, are those who serve the church. So Paul is a doulos writing to the diakonos of the church at Philippi. Now, diakonos, servant there, is a less rigid term for serving. It's almost as if Paul is saying, you can be a slave to Christ, but you need to be a servant to the church. The church doesn't own you, but Jesus Christ, King Jesus, does. So that's the writer of the book of Philippians and the recipients of the book of Philippians. Well, what was the purpose of this book? Well, firstly, it was a beautiful thank you letter saying thank you for a gift that the church at Philippi had given to Paul. Secondly, it's an update on Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is from the church at Philippi and he'd been nominated to take this gift to Paul. But somewhere on the journey or when he arrived with Paul, he was taken very ill. And Paul writes to them that Epaphroditus is recovering and hopes to be back with you soon. Finally, this book has incredible challenges in it. We're challenged to live in unity. In fact, partnership is a huge theme of this book. We saw it at the very start within the first few words because this is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of King Jesus. This is a book about partnership. And there are going to be issues in this book where, where people have fallen out. And Paul is going to beg that they will be back together in unity. There's a challenge to have the same mind as Christ, the same humility that he had. And there is the challenge throughout to be joyful. 
In fact, this book is incredibly joyful. The letter itself overflows with joyful thanksgiving and encouragement. And throughout, there is a sense that God is working his purposes out, regardless of our circumstances. And that perhaps is the most amazing thing about this book, is because Paul's circumstances are so hard. He's in prison. He's in chains, he writes. Now, in the first century, people in prison weren't fed. They weren't cared for. And so Paul is utterly reliant on gifts from other people. That's what makes this so incredible, that this church in Philippi, in a different country, sends one of their own to deliver a gift to their friend in prison. And Paul is so grateful. Despite his hardships, he is joyful. One of the most important teachings of the book of Philippians is that we learn that joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. We know we can be crushed by our circumstances, can't we? But Paul isn't. He may be behind bars, but his focus is not on them. His focus is beyond the bars to heaven. And there he sees God. And that comes again and again and again through this book, that joy is not found in our circumstances. Joy is found in our relationship with God, our relationship with King Jesus, who Paul says, I'm his slave. I'm owned by him. Therefore, what happens to me is defined and dictated by him. I am safe as a slave of Christ. It's quite beautiful. When you think about it, everything that we could often treasure, we can lose. Paul has lost his freedom. He has lost his income. We can lose our health. We can lose friends. We can lose our family. Like Paul, we can lose our freedom or our income or our work or our meaning. But we can never lose our relationship with Jesus Christ. It cannot be taken away. It's safe. It's eternal because it was bought with the most precious substance the universe has ever known. The very blood of Christ. The very blood of the Son of God. It was bought with that. And we've been sealed. We have this guarantee of the Holy Spirit given to us within us. This is the source of joy. So Paul doesn't focus on these bars. 
It'd be so easy to do that. I think I would do that. I think I would see the bars and no further. I would see my hardship and no further. But Paul looks beyond. He looks up and he sees Jesus Christ. It's incredible. It's beautiful. Jesus is Lord and I am his. Jesus loves me and I am his. Jesus is working his purposes out and I am his. He who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it and I am his. That is Paul's heart and thought as we go through this letter. Now, as I think about us, as I think about me, it would be so easy to start this letter with something like, if only I wasn't in prison. You know, the if onlys in our lives. If only I wasn't in prison. But he doesn't. Look at verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so positive. It's not about him at all. I have to remind myself fairly regularly, it's not all about me. I'm sure, like me, you've met people who think the world revolves around them. They make it all about themselves all the time. That's often a sign of, of, of deep hurt or of pressure, of difficulties, of someone crying out, see me, love me, hold me, care for me. But once we realize that Jesus does hold us, that Jesus does care for us, that Jesus is our help, we can start to look outward. And that's exactly what Paul does. It's not, if only I wasn't in prison. It is grace to you, peace to you, from our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. It's the easiest thing in the world to say, if I had such and such, I could be more joyful. If I had more money, if I had a better husband or a better wife, or if I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a better boyfriend or girlfriend, I would be happy. If I had a better job, if I went to a better church, I would be happy. I wonder what that such and such is for you. I would be more joyful if such and such. What is that for you? Paul tells us in this letter that for him to live is to remain in relationship with God and even to die is to be in relationship with God. He says this incredible phrase, to live is Christ, to die is gain. 
because the, the veil will be parted. He will see Jesus exactly as he is. Jesus is the focus, not his issues. And when he has issues, he takes them straight to God. So what is your such and such? If such and such, I would be more joyful. What is your such and such? Have you taken it to Jesus? Because he cares for you, he loves you, and he wants to know. Chuck Swindoll writes of an encounter he had with a woman who was desperate to get married, but she didn't get married until her mid-30s. He was speaking at a conference and she wrote him a note, and this is what she wrote. Humour has done a lot to help me in my spiritual life. How could I have reared 12 children starting at the age of 32 and not had a sense of humour? After your talk last night, I was enjoying some relaxed moments with friends I met at the conference. I told them I didn't get married until I was 31. I didn't worry about getting married. I left my future in God's hands. I love that. She saw past the bars to God and she saw his hands and she placed her desire in his hands. But I must tell you, she writes, every night I hung a pair of men's trousers on my bed and knelt down to pray this prayer. Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I've hung a pair of trousers here. Please fill them with a man. The following Sunday, Chuck Swindoll writes, I read that humorous letter to our congregation and they enjoyed it immensely. I happened to notice the different reactions of a father and his teenage son. The dad laughed out loud, but the son seemed preoccupied. On that particular Sunday, the mother of this family had stayed at home with their sick daughter. Obviously, neither father nor son mentioned the story because a couple of weeks later, I received a note from the mother. This is what it said. Dear Chuck, I'm wondering if I should be worried about something. It has to do with our son. For the last two weeks, I've noticed that before our son turns out the light and goes to sleep, he hangs a woman's bikini at the foot of his bed. Should I be concerned? <laughs> no, he's praying. He's seeing past the bars and seeing the open hands of Jesus Christ. So what about us? If I'm completely honest, there are times when I feel crushed by my circumstances and overwhelmed by my own emotions. I wonder if that's true for you, that we somehow live under our circumstances, instead of allowing God Almighty to lift us above our circumstances. God giving us sight to see past the bars, to see him. These are, are some of the things that I've learned in the hard times. 
And that is that God's love is not dependent upon my circumstances. God's character is not dependent on my circumstances. God's redemption is not dependent on my circumstances. That the work of Jesus on the cross is not dependent on my circumstances. All those things stand outside my circumstances, stand outside my emotions. They are a rock, a place of security and hope, of comfort, a place where I can stand, a place where I can look, a light that can guide my path. Paul Washer, it's one of my favorite preachers, said this in a sermon, when all that God is, and all that God has done, and all that God will do is apprehended by you, comprehended by you, believed by you, it will produce a joy in you that is independent from everything but God. Isn't that beautiful? He goes on. Your joy will not depend on circumstances. Your joy will not depend on performance. Your joy will not depend on popularity. Your joy will depend on an unchanging saviour, immutable God, who does all things perfectly. So every one of us has this choice. Imagine you are in a prison cell, surrounded by the bars. You can focus on the bars. You can focus on the cold floor, the lack of food, the lack of freedom, the lack of friendship, the lack of hope. Or you can gaze past the bars and gaze into the throne room of God where Jesus' wounded hands are open for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.